You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, back here at Inside Black and Gold, we're going to do a quick mailbag. There's a lot of questions that have been flowing in throughout the course of this kind of film breakdown. Again, I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports producer and we're going to get to it this one from praise god 126 passing plays 61 rushing plays it's a huge problem and easily our number one issue that's using as a gunslinger sean payton used him as a game manager that's Jameis you're talking about now sure i mean in a vacuum it probably does feel that way but remember this is a team that has had to come from behind in all three games and you're gonna you have to throw to make comebacks you can't run the ball if you're down by 10 points in the fourth quarter. And so I think if you kind of went and broke those those numbers down and said, okay, how do they stack up in quarters one through three versus the fourth quarter? I think they would be a lot closer together. Um, but no, you have to run the ball better. You have to block better. The tight ends were atrocious in the blocking game in week three. And they have been solid. In the first couple of weeks, Juwan Johnson, I think, had a particularly rough game in, as a blocker. And you need to, you know, he has improved in that area and he needs to continue to improve. You know, if you can't run the ball, it makes life a lot more difficult on you, especially because the play action game for Jameis Winston is so effective. But you have to, they have to be respecting the run for it to work. So, yeah, I mean, I think you do need to run the ball much better than they have. Kendall Jones Jameis is pressing as if he needs to make the grand play every play. So the quarterback and offensive coordinator isn't on the same page. Yeah, I, it's it's tough. I mean, I don't I don't know. You know, we'll hear from Pete Carmichael this week, and I am curious what he has to say about. Obviously, I'm not in London, so I'll have to I'll have to leave it to Steve and uh, the others to ask these questions. But um, I'm curious what he has to say about some of the long developing plays that have been called and some of the failures 
to adapt to um, take advantage of zero pressure, zero blitzes. Because, you know, if really good quarterbacks, you can't do that against because they they make it hurt, right? There's a reason you don't want to send a zero blitz, and it's because the quarterback has all of his options available, and if he gets the ball out, you're effed. The only way it works is if the blitz gets home. If the quarterback can get the ball out fast enough, then you know you get it to the athletes, you get it to the wide receivers, you get it to the running back. There's not a lot of people to make a tackle, but you got to get it out. So, like, I I don't know. I I just you have to be able to at least see it's coming and adjust a route for a quick hitter. And if it doesn't come, then fine. But there's no excuse for not checking your routes. And and that's what's happened to this point. And, and you got to be better than that. Kendall, again, I don't think Pete is good enough to design great plays like Sean. And he's been under Sean for 15 years. I don't know how much designing there is going on at this point. I think the offense is the offense. Um, I, the, but yeah, I mean, Sean was the mastermind architect of the offense. and But Pete knows how to run it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know how much of it is that. But 985 Live. Why can't our defense do this on those pick plays? Shake my head. No, I, the Panthers, you know, if you go back and that, that, that play that we went to where um, that was the third and goal, third and that was the third and I think three in the first half where Jameis went to Jarvis and the Panthers passed off the coverage. And I agree. It was really well done. The Panthers defense played very well in this game. And I, you know, it's annoying to keep saying that, but they did. The Bucks defense played very well in week two. The P- Falcons defense was questionable on the back end in week one. They had really good blitz schemes, and I think that's what kept them in front. But, you know, it came to it came back to haunt them later in the game when they didn't get that pressure and Jameis was able to carve them up in that fourth quarter. But the last two defenses you played have been very good. And so that's where you kind of have to, you know, you don't know yet how good some of these teams are relative to each other. And like the Bucks, you know, are good. The Panthers, I don't think, are a very good team, but they do have a good defense. So that could be a factor, right? You know, they might go and face the Vikings and look a lot different because they're not, the Vikings aren't able to do the same things as a pass rush as a defense that the Panthers did. But that was a good example of the Panthers just knowing what you're doing. Again, we talked about this with some of the screenplays, some of the swing passes. It seems like they knew they were in the Saints huddle when they called the play. Because they saw that pick, they knew what it was, and they passed it off. They didn't get run over. And it's just another example of that. 985 Live, why can't we do like the Rams were doing with Jerry Goff lineup and get the call out the line? Yeah, I mean, it, that's an option. You got to remember the the headset turns off with, I want to say, 15 seconds left. So in order to do that, you would have to be running hurry-up offense and then still you know, that's that's a difficult thing. And if you're, your offense just isn't built to do that, if that's not your your kind of um, workflow, then that's going to be tough to do. And one of the th- things that really hurt the Rams when teams figured out that's what they were doing is they would wait until... Because the other teams know when the headsets turn off. Like, you know, it's a standard rule. So what they would do is they would wait. They would show something. They would wait until the headset turns off. And then they would adjust so you would end up in the wrong coverages. So it still ended up being the quarterback has to be able to identify it and make those adjustments. And, you know, you got, that's, you got to be better at it. Jerry Pore, 
this week of practice in London will get the Saints back to the basics. Yeah, I think Deuce McAllister said this um, after the game. It's like, yeah, this is basically a one-week training camp for this team to kind of get its feet back under it. Then you better use it. You need it. So this could end up being kind of a positive thing if, if they spin it the right way. Running back 29 Oilers come into a game looking like an astronaut. 20 different pads looking crazy, limping when he jogs, broken back, WTF. You know, the, the, the thing is, I haven't seen him limping. You know, like that's, that's part of the reason it's, it's a difficult thing. If he, if he did look physically limited, you know, if, if he was wincing every time he threw the ball deep, if he got hit and then took a while to get up because he took a shot right in the back, that would be one thing. I haven't really seen that from Jameis. And that's what makes it, I think, it, it reminds me of Eli Manning at the end of Eli Manning's career, which, and I know I make a lot of Giants references, but they're, they're usually applicable and he's from here. So, you know, take it. Um, Eli Manning never missed games for injury. He didn't. He just didn't. Like he was healthy his whole career. And because of that, later in his career, when he was on the decline, it was it was difficult to identify it because usually your body lets you down before your arm does. For Eli, it was like he just there was there's a level level you need to be at. And for the majority of his career, he was above it. That's the level of talent you need of, of success you need to be a starting quarterback in the NFL for the majority of his career. He was above it for the last few years of his career. He was below it and his team around him was not good enough to pick up the slack. I think, you know, obviously I'm not saying Jameis is at that point in his career, but I think there's a point where the injury is affecting you where there's that, that baseline that you need to be above. You are hovering around it. And I don't know exactly where you are relative to it, but I don't think the Jameis we're seeing right now is the is the perfect world Jameis that we wanted to see. Um, that doesn't mean you can't win games with him. Taysom was never the perfect world Taysom that we wanted him to be. He won a lot of his starts, right? So you don't have to be perfect. But if you know the Giants weren't perfect, they've made the playoffs though with with Eli Manning struggling in I want to say 2017, 2016, right? So. Like you don't have to be perfect as a quarterback to win games, but you have to play the right way. And your teammates around you have to play the right way. And that's if the Saints can get back on track in this season, that's going to be how they do it. Bruno, Panthers beat the crap out of the Saints. See, I don't, I disagree with that. I really do. I think if you stop the Panthers after you go in and score and Mark Ingram spikes the ball, if the if the defense comes out and and clamps and and forces a three and out or forces a punt. And and you give the ball back to the offense, which is which is rolling at that point. They're feeling good. the The Panthers are kind of reeling. They've been in control all game, and all of a sudden, one touchdown and they're behind. I think the Saints win that game. You never got to that point because the defense, you know, and and PJ Williams, which is unfortunate that PJ was put in that situation to miss that tackle, but he did. Marcus May missed the game, and so you needed him to come up and make a tackle, and he just didn't. Um, and then you know, I think. You know, Tyron Matthew missed the tackle too. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. But I think that's where you lost that game. And if you want to look at, if you have to look at one play in the fourth quarter and say, if this went differently, this result might have been different, then you didn't get, you didn't get the crap beaten out of you. You just lost. Hard boy hitter. I'm finally realizing Sean really made a difference on that sideline. You know, I'm not happy the Saints are, are not doing well right now. But I do appreciate 
that people are starting to appreciate what Sean Payton did for this team and how consistent he had this team operating at for such a long time. Right. And that's how you keep a job for 16 years. You know, you don't, if, if you have this really long stretch of bad seasons, you're, you're, you're going to have a hard time. And it's rare to see a guy go through a lull the way that he did and the way that this team did, you know, with those seven and nine years and come back and all of a sudden 13 and three, 13 and three, 11 and five, you know, um, but that's what he did, you know, and we talked about this earlier. The last two times the Saints started a season one and two, they didn't lose again for a while. I think in 2017, you started one and two, and by week 10, you were eight and two. In 2020, you started one and two, and by week 13, you were 10 and two. I think that math makes sense. Yeah, because it's a bye week week baked in there. And so, like, that's not unreasonable, right? We've seen it happen. The question is, can this current staff, can this current roster, can the Dennis Allen, Jameis Winston experience duplicate that type of turnaround that we've seen this team make? Because there are guys in that locker room who, who've, who've been there for it. You know, they were part of it. They understand what it takes to bounce back from a rough start. And let's be real. The Saints haven't started well in, in years, right? It's been a long time since this. I can't remember the last time the Saints were, were even 2-0, and let alone 3-0. and so like two and one was probably the upper uh, the, the two and one was like the, the pie in the sky ambition I had coming into this season. And I, and I felt like that would have been a good thing for them. And uh, so you're not that far below that, right? In terms of just the record, it's not the end of the world. You just gotta, you gotta win some games, right? If you, if you can go to London, which you're in London, if you can stay in London and beat the Vikings and come back at two and two, with a very, very winnable game against the Seahawks at home, you feel a way better about, about the situation you're in. Not unlike in 2020 when you when you went to Detroit and you won that game in week four, despite going down 14 to nothing and having no cornerbacks and you know a COVID scare the night before. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, you won that game, you came back home, you beat the Chargers in overtime, and then all of a sudden you were on a roll and you were going and you were going and everything felt right again. You got to be able to do that. You got to be able to beat the Vikings if you come back, you know, but, but you know, on the flip side, if you can't beat the Vikings and you come back at one and three and you have to beat the Seahawks just to get one game below 500, that's bleak. Um, so that's kind of where you're at right now. So a couple more questions, then we'll get out of here. Ramsey Wars. I would feel better if Jameis would just hit the short to intermediate passes that are open in the field instead of looking for the deep play every time. Now, thing to understand is it's not like you're calling four routes and you're just throwing to whoever's open, right? It's called a progression. You know, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening understand what that term means. But if you don't, you know, it's you, you have a progression of, of, of the routes you're going through, right? In some instances, it's short to long. In some instances, it's long to short. And I think in this case, when you're designing plays for Jameis, you're going long to short. And so 
if Jarvis Landry in the back of the end zone, you know, in, on, a, on, a, on a corner route, is your primary read and he's open, you are throwing him the ball. Now, to to some extent, I think that there has to be a better, bigger calculation of what does open mean in that instance. Because open shouldn't just mean I can make that throw. Open should mean I I will make that throw. Um, because you know, what's the percentage that you'll make that throw? 40%, 50%, 60%. Um, if it's low enough that the alternative is okay, not worth the risk. I'm gonna turn over here and check down to Alvin Kamara for a first down, right? Okay, I that throw is not developed yet. It'll probably come open, but I don't have time. Okay, I'm gonna throw it. I'm going to check down to Chris Olave coming across the middle because I have pressure in my face and I know he's wide open right in front of me. That's what we haven't seen. And that's what I think is really difficult to train into somebody because you're, you're saying, okay, that's open. I can make that throw. I have confidence in myself to make that throw. I'm going to make that throw. Um, and I don't, I do think that you have to, you have to adjust that kind of, that kind of meter to, to account for, the situation that you are in down in distance time on the clock score and but it feels like too much of the time it's just okay he's open i'm going for it uh and that's why you end up going deep to chris Olave eight times in three weeks yeah jay black if sean was here i would say they get fixed or we'll find the right people to get it fixed and i assume the second half of that is with dennis allen you don't believe that you know we'll we'll see you know this is this is the first kind of real trial that you've had in the Dennis Allen head coaching era, you know, the first real adversity in terms of, okay, better get it fixed or you could lose this season. Um, because losing this season is not just losing this season because you've already traded your first round pick for next year. The Eagles would like nothing more than for this team to fall off a cliff because the Eagles look real good and they want a top 10 pick next year. So (laughs) that's going to be tough to live down. If you, if you end up giving away that pick, because, man, you know that, that's that's a lot of leverage that you just lost, you know. And and then maybe maybe they're banking on Sean Payton coming back. It keeps it sounds more and more like that's a realistic possibility. But if he does, he's going to go to a decent team that's probably not going to have a high draft pick. So you don't know. All right, one more question, and then we'll go. Murtis is hanging around. The Eagles and Steve. Steve's over in London getting drunk with with Deuce McAllister and Mike Haas. I wasn't invited, so I'm not bitter about it at all. Don't worry. 504 and company. Kendall, he's responding to Kendall. He's like, I feel you that that injury has nothing to do with passing up an easy throw to take a low percentage deep throw. Yeah, right. I think that's that's the line you have to kind of figure out is, you know, I think if if the debate is whether he is healthy and some of the throws are not as accurate or as effective as they would normally be. Yeah, I think you're correct. If the if the idea is he's hurt, so he's making bad decisions, I don't think that's what's going on. I think you're just making Jameis decisions. And the problem is, in his head, he is able to make... You know, like I said, the throw is open. Your first read is open. You're going to throw it. But is the injury you're dealing with making it so that if it was a 70% percent 
you know, success rate before? Is it down to 50? Is it down to 40? Which means that you need to adjust your decision-making to account for that. And Jameis is just a guy who's not going to do that unless it's, you know, unless it's made for him, right? Unless the coach is saying, no, we're going to adjust your reads and we're going to do that because he has confidence in himself. He's never going to doubt his abilities to throw the football. And you don't want your quarterback to doubt his ability to throw the football. So it's, you know, it's kind of a catch 22. Um, But I think that that's what you're looking at is, you know, can he make the throws at the rate that he has been in his career? And does he need to adjust some of his decision-making to account for it? Um, Does he need to be more, more cautious? Does he need to take smaller gains? I've been saying all year that I think you, he needs to accept smaller gains in the offense, right? It feels like too much of the time. It's like, yeah, that's a throw I can make. So I'm going to make it, but it's like, yeah. Okay. But what about, you know, if you make that six times out of 10, that means four times out of 10, you're leaving yourself in second and long and third and long. And in certain instances that, that is fine. You can accept it. And in a lot of instances, it's like, you know, you're, you're just torpedoing a drive for a shot play opportunity, you know, and and like big plays don't matter if there's no points on the board, right? That bomb to Chris Olave at the end of the first half, great. At the end of the day, it's just yardage and you don't, you the yardage doesn't show up on the scoreboard, only the points do. So yeah, I think that's where you kind of got to figure it out. But all right, that's where I'll wrap it up, you know. I'm bummed out we weren't able to catch up with Steve. Hopefully I can get him uh get in touch with him. The time difference makes it really difficult. You know, obviously they're six hours ahead. So if he was on here, it would be midnight his time. So that makes it kind of difficult to get to get that kind of sorted out. But we're gonna do our best to get him on for the final podcast of the week that's gonna post Friday morning. And I'm gonna see if I can if I can snake a uh Vikings guest to kind of break down what what they're gonna be looking at. You know, is it just the Justin Jefferson show? Is Mr. League average Kirk Cousins gonna gonna do something that surprises me? I don't think so. I know exactly who he is, but we're gonna find out. Thanks for everyone for listening. This has been Inside Black and Gold, our film study edition. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you are, wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Make sure to ring the bell and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube and you'd like to be listening to a podcast, make sure to go check that out. Even if you don't, go check it out on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review, leave us a rating. We don't have enough at this point. I'm unhappy about it. We have all these people in here watching, but we only have like 11 reviews on Apple Podcasts, which I call BS on because that's not cool. Anyway, make sure to go do that. Appreciate all the interaction. Appreciate everyone watching. And uh, yeah, it's going to get better, guys. It's going to get better. I, I, you know, I'm not going to give you the I guarantee it, but I I really do hope so. All right, y'all. Peace.